Welcome back, squad. I am so psyched. Today, I have my friend James Quigley on the podcast. He is an ex-CrossFit Games guy, used to announce them in Dubai and all these crazy places. He's a girl dad. I had the pleasure of meeting him through a mutual friend and group coaching program with Jess Glazer. She's a badass as well. Gotta get her on here. And yeah, I was just like, should we just shoot the shit for an hour? And he was like, yeah. So I called him up and this is what happened. James Quigley. And I honestly don't even know how to intro you because you've done so much. I think one of the things I'm really excited is to hear about a lot of your adventures. And I know like there's the CrossFit and the announcing and now you're coaching and you're a girl dad and you're like literally all the things. So I'm just going to let you kind of like plug yourself a little bit and just say who you are, how you're showing up today. And then we'll just kind of let it roll. Awesome. Well, that was, that was actually a great introduction. So I appreciate that. Uh, without even trying, you gave me a great intro, but uh, it's just an honor to be here and talk with you. You know, I, uh, I love our friendship. I love the friendship we've developed over this last year. Um, yeah. And it just continues to like get more and more awesome the more we conversate. So uh, I've been looking forward to this, to, to, to this conversation since we set it up. So appreciate yeah. it. Um, where, you know, who am I in a nutshell? Um, just a kid from Brooklyn who just overcame his father's dealings with heroin addiction and organized crime. And I promised my mother that one day I wanted to buy her a house. And that's kind of led me on my journey of self-discovery, healing, um, you know, learning how to empower myself through empowering others. And worked in the fitness industry for about 18 years. Uh, doing all kinds of things, you know, ownership, operations, personal training, instruction. Um, and through that process, I realized that I was doing all the things like yeah. many of us, right? Yeah. Like many of us, especially in the industry, I was doing all the things, you know, as you mentioned, I was in CrossFit. I was also hosting live events. I was organizing, you know, CrossFit events. I was doing all the things and in, in that pursuit of doing all the things I was stretched thin. I was all over the place. I was completely overwhelmed and I wasn't, I thought I had purpose, but it wasn't clear. Mm -hmm. Right. Have you ever been there where you're like, you know, you have this drive in your heart, but you just don't really, you're not clear on what, where, where you're going. So that's where I was. And I, for the life of me, thought, okay, well, I'm supposed to open up another gym. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what everyone, that's what I thought everyone expected me to do. Yeah. Right. Um, These stories we tell ourselves in our heads. And I really didn't want to open up a gym anymore. This is about four years ago. Your reaction was like, no. Yeah. I just didn't want to do it anymore. I really didn't. I, I knew I had more to give, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I knew I didn't want to open up another gym. I didn't want to operate a gym anymore. Um, and so that led me on another journey of like, okay, I need to figure some stuff out. Yeah. And I realized like my habits were not good anymore. Uh, my mindset was really uh, not strong. Um, 
I didn't even realize I was dealing with a lot of issues from my childhood. And so I really dove into personal development and got the clarity that I needed. And here I am today. And I realized that I love mentoring and coaching other professionals. Mm -hmm. I truly love doing that. And so I actually eliminated everything off my plate, everything, everything. I don't, I retired from fitness. I retired from, uh, from hosting events. I retired from organizing events. I was selling CBD at one point. I stopped selling CBD. Like, were you selling it like you were just a partner or were you like in a, like an MLM, like a multi-level? Like- no, I, I was working with a buddy of mine who started an awesome CBD company and I jumped on board to help him do his sales. Like yeah. I was literally working in it. Yeah. Um, and I said, no, I'm just going to go all in on this one thing. I've mm-hmm. never, I've never done that. I've never gone all in on this one thing. Mm-hmm. So for the past year and a half, I've gone all in and that's where I am today. So cool. And tell us, okay, tell everybody, I mean, I know what you do now, but basically you are a full-time coach to professionals. Would you say mostly in the fitness industry or kind of like in all industries? No, that's my niche. You know, um, my niche is in the fitness industry is working with uh, fitness professionals um, and it's been amazing. You know, it's been, so I'm a business coach and consultant for fitness professionals. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Bam. 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 Okay. So, uh, so much good stuff there. And like, as you're talking, I'm like thinking of all these like ways we could go, but, um, you know, I'm always so interested in this, like this heart of a champion thing and, and how, I myself being in fitness, cycling all of the above, D all of the above, you know, I have a wicked heavy um, athletic background. So was this fueled for you through like high school sports and college sports? I'm always interested in like how that pans out and then how you went from like high school, college to then did you go, were you like, where do I put all this like energy? Where do I put all this, you know? mm. Um, So yeah. Sports gave me my foundation. You know, um, I, I was an athlete my whole life. Uh, sports gave me the foundation for everything I feel like kids don't have nowadays. You know, it gave me discipline. It taught me how to play on a team. It taught me how to be coachable. It taught me how to take direction. It taught me how to like sacrifice, you know? So I feel like everything that has gone on through my life in the 18 years that I spent in the fitness industry I wouldn't have gotten that if I, if it was not for sports. So I played high school sports. Uh, I did have opportunities to go to college and play, but that was the time where my whole family fell apart. Yeah. Um, my father, uh, my mother and my father got divorced at the age of 14, uh, four, uh, sorry, 16. Um, it was around 16 years old where my parents got a divorce. My father just completely fell apart. He had owed, a lot of people money. Well, he owed, he owed a lot of money to one person <laughs> and that went really bad for our family. We actually had to up and go on the run for a little while. Wow. Um, I had to uproot from my childhood home and move to a whole different uh, area of New York. Um, and that whole thing kind of took sports away from me. Wow. I mean, I had loved, loved, 
that time I was really in, heavily involved in basketball and running track. And I had opportunities to possibly go on to college and play. And I was not at that time. I had no one supporting me because my family was just in a complete disarray. Yeah. And then I lost my best friend uh, to drugs. He passed away and he got an overdose. And that was the demise the end, I should say, of that time of my life of sports being the most powerful thing in my life. And just like most people or most kids at that age, I decided to want to party. I decided to kind of start hanging out in the streets. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. So I was, I got involved in the streets per se and everything I did. I didn't want to be my father. Yeah. I I don't want to be my father. And I ended up on the path to slowly becoming my father. So luckily, because I had the foundation of sports later on, it led me to about, I think I was about 20, 21, where I realized I looked down and I've never had a gut. I was 120 pounds soaking wet my whole life growing up. I was skinny. It's so interesting because like, okay, give like for what I'm looking at right now, people like James is like this big, like I think of you as like, like, I just want to give you a big bear hug when I see you. I would love a big bear hug. Please. I mean, you know, fingers crossed we can all be going all the places soon, but um, I can't picture you being like a little skinny shrimpy kid. Skinny. Oh my God. I was so skinny. I was a beanpole. Um, And at about 20, yeah, about 2021. I looked, I wanted to go to spring break. Yeah. I wanted to so go to spring break. I was remember watching MTV spring break and I was like, I want to be there. <laughs> and so we planned a trip and I looked down and I like had a gut. I've never had a gut. Like here I was, I was skinny fat, right? I just had this like, looked like ET. Like I was like skinny, no muscle, but with like this like little ball on my stomach. And I was boozing. I was smoking. I wasn't playing sports anymore. Mm. And so I was like, I got to do something. And so I joined the gym at 21. I joined autumn gym in Brooklyn, New York. And that was the, that was my saving grace that literally I started to feel like an athlete again. I started to go into the gym. I started to train my body again. I started to work out and I was like, whoa. And for the last six years, I had no confidence, right? So 21 to no, sorry, that's five years. I had no confidence, no confidence. My self-image was nothing because I gave up the thing that I loved the most, which was sports. Yeah. And fitness was my entry back in. And because of that foundation I had of sports, it just brought back all of those those, uh, Those really good emotions. emotions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's really cool that you can actually visualize that. I call it, I don't think that really is like a bathroom floor moment for you. We talk about that a lot. Like, you know, the messy, whatever that like moment, but at least I think it's cool that you can call upon a moment where you look down and you're like, I'm not this person. Like I need to do something because I think what's really interesting is most people maybe wouldn't have that reaction. They would just be like, this is how it is. So there was still, even amidst all this like childhood things going on in the family and all like kind of the disarray, you still had that growth mindset thread like in you to be like, yeah. I don't want this. Like I need to go change it, which is unbelievable. I, I, I literally chalked that up to coaches that I had when I was little. Yeah. I was lucky enough that I had 
some great guys, just some, and, and some teachers too. You know, I had some really good teachers um, who were amazing. Miss Bifumo, uh, I love her. To this day, I still talk to her. That's uh, so cool. Mi- <laughs> yeah, I still talk to her, Miss B. You know, she got me out of so much trouble. But, you know, I would say, you know, it was a combination of having good teachers and good coaches growing up that gave me that foundation that I just, I didn't even know I had a growth mindset, but that's what it was. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the clearest thing I hear. So just backtracking a little, you know, did you go on that spring break? (laughs) I did. I did. I did. It was the most fun I've ever had in my life. Um, And I felt old on that trip because I was already 21. Yeah. So I felt old. Like I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I should have been doing this maybe a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. But that was like my first real traveling experience outside of New York. Where did you go? Mexico, Cancun. Cancun. So it was yeah. like legit MTV. Oh, it was legit. It okay. was legit. I have a funny story from that too. Go for so it. <laughs> that led to, uh, you know, I was 21 years old. I'm a guy from Brooklyn. I was in sales. I was really good at, at, at selling. Um, and I remember going down there and as soon as we get down there, they, they, you know, the, they get you in the van going to the hotel, but they stop to try to sell you something, right? Yeah. They're like, oh, we're going to sell you these passes, these bracelets so that you can go into these like parties all the Pool parties or whatever. Yeah. And so you have these guys that they're, they're, you know, they're salesmen, but you have a group of like guys from Brooklyn who do this. Like we were all working for like almost like this boiler room. They were trying to like hustlers, basically. And so we (laughs) tortured this guy, completely tortured this guy. But we had so much fun with him that his boss came out and was like, do you guys want to make some money this week? And we're like, what do you mean? He's like, you're going to the best hotel, which is the Oasis at the time. He's like, if you sell this amount of bracelets, you guys will get into all the clubs for free. He's like, and you'll make about X amount of dollars off each bracelet. And of course we're like, yeah. (laughs) And so that led, that led to like a three year thing that I kept going down there. Wow. And working with these guys. Um, It was so much fun. It was so much fun. That's crazy. I feel like that's like us almost like a segue into you kind of having that background to then go into all the events and all that. Cause like, that's another whole like chapter of your life, which we're going to kind of like, and I was shy. I was shy up until about 18, 19. I was so shy. So shy. I couldn't even talk to girls. That is wild. (laughs) So crazy. Crazy. Crazy, crazy because I know you and I'm looking at you and I'm like, that is just, I can't picture any of it. Skinny, people, <laughs> shy. I'm like, what? Uh, what is going yeah. on? Uh. Um, okay. So, you know, you get back into the gym, you're doing the spring break thing. Where was kind of the segue into you getting really maybe heavily involved with the CrossFit and how did like the games and then doing yeah. the events and promotion and then all the announcement, the cool stuff. Like how did that yeah. all kind of yeah, that came later. That came much later. Um, I got into the fitness industry about 25. Mm-hmm. Um, I had fallen on, like, I had owned a cell phone store, two cell phone stores. At that time, I was 23. I opened up a couple of cell phone stores, but realized uh, it wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. I was failing. Uh, the businesses were failing. I was failing. I was miserable. Um, 
and I was like really passionate about fitness. I loved working out. And so I got into fitness at about 25 and I didn't find CrossFit till about 2012. So that was like about, uh, I was already 30 something years old. So it was like six, seven years into my career. I, yeah. I discovered CrossFit and it was just different at that time. It was just completely different. We were just meatheads working out. Everybody was burnt out that I knew. And so CrossFit was like this really like cool thing that like was like renegade. It was like, you know, people were getting kicked out of gyms for doing CrossFit at that time, 2011, 2010. And I didn't want to do it. I was like, no, people getting hurt. This is stupid. Why would you do this? You know, I was like a really smart trainer, so to speak. And I'm, I'm doing air quotes <laughs> as I do that. By the um, books. <laughs> by the book. You know, I was NASA. I was so NASA. I was so NASA. And that's just hilarious just, right now to me because I am trying <laughs> for PR purposes, I'm trying yeah. to get my ACE personal training certification. Yeah, Let me I had ACE. You, it is so challenging for my little squirrel brain and dancer, cheerleader, soul cycler mind to like. Same. That was the same, but I taught it. I taught the business. I taught, I actually taught the business curriculum for ACE at one point in time at one of the gyms I was working at, but I got into CrossFit because like anybody, it was, it was becoming popular and I needed to form an educated opinion on it Yeah, because I didn't understand it. And so I, I went, I dropped into a gym that, um, a couple of friends of mine that I, that they were kind of mentors to me. Um, and I knew these people had like backgrounds outside of CrossFit and they were also, they were like, they taught CrossFit. They were, um, they were on the seminar staff, mm -hmm. the HQ seminar staff. So they actually taught the level one and level two, and they were also games athletes. This is garden city, New York, CrossFit garden city, Dennis and Jen Hunter Marshall. Um, love them, love them to death. And so I dropped in. I was like, let me go drop in. Let me see yeah, what this is all about. Drop in. And I remember like it was yesterday. I'm doing a workout. It was five rounds, 500 meters of rowing, 10 dumbbell thrusters. Okay. Now I've worked out my whole life and I've liked to thought I was fit, but I remember everyone finished and I had old ladies finished cheering me on already done with their workout and I'm still going. And I remember I was just dying. And on my last thrust, the whole gym is like cheering me on. There was just a little bit of pee came out just a little bit enough on like my last two thrusts. Cause I was like dying. I was like, and just like, like a little bit of pee. I don't mind sharing this. And I remember hitting the ground and I was just like, and these, like, these, you know, it was garden city, New York. And I was like, sign me up. Sign me up. Sign me up. And so I joined, I joined as a member with no, no desire to be a coach at this point. I was running a gym in New York City at the time, a corporate fitness gym. And I had no desire to be a coach. But as I got into the community and as I got involved in it, I saw the impact and the power of the difference of actually getting people results yeah. versus numbers in a gym. You know, working in a corporate fitness environment, it's more about numbers, numbers, getting the volume of people and selling your packages. Yeah. And so I was like, this is amazing. And of course, you know, shout out to Dennis and Jen, who just did a tremendous job. 
And so that led me to saying, okay, I'm going to go get my L1, which is your CrossFit level one. And it just coincided with the hurricane of Sandy hitting the East coast at that time, if you remember, mm-hmm. which completely displaced me. I was living in Long Beach, New York at the time. My house was under four feet of water, completely destroyed. That moved me to Brooklyn. I decided I'm done with corporate fitness. I went, I got my L1. I spent two weeks in California, met Dave Lipson and Cammie, uh, Dave, Dave and Cammie, who were awesome people. And Dave got me my first job in CrossFit. And that led me to, that led me to starting my job in the CrossFit world. So crazy. And you know what I heard, which was really interesting, like, and I feel like these communities, like a CrossFit, a Soul Cycle, that community aspect, like you get yeah. in the door and you get, you have that moment. Like you were like, I peed. Like I, <laughs> we, call yeah. that, we call that a piddle around my friends. Like you peed oh, a little, you peed a uh, little. I did that. So did that. like, the same thing is like very similar when I did my first soul cycle class it was my birthday. Like they brought me in a cupcake. I'm like crying. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck this place is, but like, <laughs> up, right. It's yeah, like, yeah, exactly. So you get into this community. You don't even know what you want, why you're in it, whatever. You just know the feeling of around you. And then all of a sudden it's like, when you're in it, then you're like, wait, now I see it. Now I get it. And now I'm going to, now I'm going to like go for it. Like I always say when I first started, I was like, Oh, I wanted to work at corporate. Like I wanted to be like in marketing or do whatever I was doing before. I had no way, shape or form thought it would take the detour it took, which Mm -hmm. sounds incredibly similar. And like, whether that was, you know, mother nature, literally figuratively, whatever that, put you on that path to go out to California, that thing. It was just like, you were already had like the hooks in you. You were already like, I'm in like, let's go. The power of community. It's unmatched. Mm -hmm. It's unmatched. But here's the thing. I think sometimes, especially in the CrossFit community, we put too much emphasis that it's community. It's it's more so culture. So like, think about the culture that SoulCycle created, right? Think about, and culture is your front desk when you walk through the door and how they greet you and your bike is waiting. And then all of a sudden the lights, the lights go down, the music comes on and the instructor gets up there and it's like, what the hell is that? That's culture. Yeah. That's where the power is, right? Is the, the, the culture of cultivating community. And I learned that, you know, you know, throughout the years of how, how can I duplicate this? Like, how do I get other people to feel like I felt that first day of walking into that gym? Yeah. And it's a combination of things that lead to that moment. And that's culture. So places like SoulCycle and some really good gyms like Garden City did, they understand that better than most. And when you understand that, you're able to package it up. And now you produce these armies of people who are, I mean, people love SoulCycle. Like I I do my math on the industry. I love to understand trends and I love to understand different parts of the industry. We thought this was going to be a fad, 
right? We thought, oh, okay, just another company opening up and it's going to be a fad, just like, you know, it is the power of what you guys created. It's unmatched. It's so powerful. I always, to this day, I'm like, man, SoulCycle came too late because had it come earlier, I probably would have been a SoulCycle instructor. Probably. And a great one. <laughs> I would have loved it. I would love I mean, to buy it. Music, <laughs> music, people just out there. I should have been, I always said I should have been a cycle instructor. But you know, it, it just I guess it wasn't still, in my cards. That could still maybe happen. You could still maybe get some podium action at some time. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know if my legs can handle it. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> I think they could. I love what you said about the company and the culture and all that. It really is so true. It's like, it's not just the people. It's also like when you open the door and like the first thing you smell or see, it's like, we call it like lines, like top to bottom. It's like a full experience. It's that experiential thing. Like, um, it's so true. It's not an accident. No. It's intentional. Exactly. It's intentional. And that's, that's where the power comes from. You know, that's where the power, and that's why, you know, they've done and you guys have just done such a tremendous job because think about now all the people who tried to recreate that. They tried. Not many people have succeeded to your guys' level um, because I don't think they understand the intention behind what that is and that culture. I love that so much. Yeah. That's so good. So, so good. Um, One thing I'm picking up on, which I really, really like, is your, again, that growth mindset thing, your ability to pivot. What stuck out for me in the last like block of the conversation was you are a hustler. Like you just said a million different things. Like you were like, well, I was, I was working out and owned these cell phone stores and like that was failing. So then I like, I jumped and then I did this. And it's like, you don't have the spirit to me of somebody that gives up or stops or like you have this, like, keep going, keep it, keep on keeping on mentality. And I'm so curious of whether, I mean, now I think that has to do with like your habits and your mindset and all the things you have in place, like all our tips and tricks as we do, but we're so much further along, but is there anything you can touch upon back then? Or do you think it was like an innate personality characteristic quality, or can you call upon like what actually, you know, where the why was behind that, whether that was, I'm, go- I'm going to get my mama house. I'm going to get my mama house. Or if there was yeah. a different wire superpower statement, if you will, that like kept you strong, kept you pushing through, like kept you wanting to elevate. Mm. Yeah. Great question. Great question. I've had to really think about this over the years. Um, as I've done more of the, the, the personal development work and the healing work that I've done. And it's a combination of people in my life. Um, it was a combination of my, my mother and my grandmother. Uh, two women of color, um, you know, my, they grew up in the projects. You know, my grandmother came here from Puerto Rico when she was 14 years old and she was a seamstress. And at that time, that's the only job you can get. Um, and she embedded in me education. Like, she was all about, no one's going to tell you you can't do something. Mm. Because she came here at 16 years, 14, 16 years old. And for the, you know, at that time they told her that's all she could ever be. She got her master's degree. You know, I remember there's pictures of it and she got her master's degree and we used to sit down when I was little, she would read and I, she would make me read uh, the comics 
of the newspaper. Mm-hmm. So I remember every Sunday we would, because you know, it was color, yeah, we would read the daily news comics. Mm-hmm. So I think through her and in my mother's spirit, you know, my mother also a woman of color. And at that time in the 80s, you know, women were just starting to break into corporate America. Yeah. And I remember her like, you know, with her shoulder pads on her, uh, <laughs> on her, on her, on her suit jacket and, you know, her big hair teased, but she, 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 she hustled and she eventually got to where she was. She ran a, a firm on wall street. And then my dad, you know, my dad was, you know, as, as tough of as a guy as he was and as mess and, and all the crap that he went through, he was also an entrepreneur. You know, he was also uh, starting businesses and owning tow truck businesses and just, he never gave up. You know, he kept, every time he failed or every time he got into trouble, he would always just, for whatever reason, he just always found himself back. And I don't know if that, I, looking back at that, that transferred to me um, because every time that I could have stopped or every time I could have gave up, I just decided, nope. I'm going to go this way. Yeah. I'm going to go this way. And it, it always, it always led to me thinking, how can I be better? And that's, I guess, where the originate, the origin, the, the origins come from, I would say my grandmother, my mother, and of course my father. Yeah. Like powerful figures in your life surrounding you to like. Powerful figures who are very flawed, hmm. very flawed. You know, um, my grandmother, was very abusive to my mother and verbally, you know, um, my mother was very verbally abusive to my father. My father was very abusive to all of us. Mm. So they were very flawed. However, throughout, just like, you know, all humans are flawed in their flaws. There was something beautiful that they never gave up on themselves they never gave up on each other. Although they were sort of this, you know, verbally abusive to each other, they still loved each other and they still were there for us as, you know, me and my sister and my brothers. There was something there that was just still beautiful in their journey that, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it just propelled me forward. Yeah, influenced you, even if it wasn't like really noticeable or like, you know, whatever at the time, I guess pulling out of that, um, can you call upon like a time where you maybe like wanted to give up or you had that like low moment or you had that, like, I don't know if I can pivot again. I don't know, because I feel like a question that comes across, I mean, a hundred thousand times whenever, you know, I open up the floodgates or like ask questions is like, how do you, how do you stay motivated? How do you keep yourself motivated? How do you keep on keeping on when you're at that like low, low end? And I know we'll talk about like burnout too, because you touched upon that at the beginning, but what do you think? Yeah. Every time. Every time I, I pivoted, there was always a moment where I didn't think it was going to happen or I didn't know how. So there was a couple of moments. There was a time when I got rid of the cell phone stores. I had to go home. I had to go live with my mother again. So here I was, a 25-year-old 20, man who I thought I was old at the time. You thought you were running shit. <laughs> I had to go. I remember sleeping on my mother's couch, 25 years old, being a failure. Like I failed. This is it. It's over. 
And I recently told a story that that's how I got into fitness. You know, you think your, 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 your hardest moments of your life often lead you to your greatest. And so my biggest failure at that time led me to a conversation with a friend of mine who invited me to stay in a Hamptons house for the summer because I didn't have a job. Um, I decided to do it. And that doesn't sound that, like a really shitty place to be for the summer. <laughs> no, it didn't. Right. But that led to me meeting uh, a friend who offered me my first job in fitness. So what turned out to be my greatest failure at that point in my life mm-hmm. turned into the start of the next great journey. Also recently, the last, I would say three, four years ago, where I decided not to open a gym. At that time, again, I was looking at my body. I was not happy with the way I looked. I was not happy with my habits. I was not happy in the relationship that I was in. And I remember I owed money and people that worked for me were owed money by the company we were working with because I was running the company. They looked at me as the person that was owing them this money. Yeah. And so I just remember being in this place of despair and so lost and so overwhelmed. And I remember literally physically hitting my leg on the coffee table because my cat scared the shit out of me. And in that moment, I mean, you know what it's like to hit your shit. Yeah. It is the most cruciating pain. I smashed my shin and I hit the ground in pain. I remember blood gushing out, but in that moment of blood gushing out, all the emotions came out. You start crying. It's like the level. I was crying. I was hitting the ground. Like what, why am I here again? Like, how did I get here again? But in that moment, um, my dog came over Mm -hmm. and my dog, you know, animals can just sense. They just sense it. And so my dog came over, put his head in my lap and I just looked at him and I looked at my cat and my cat, he doesn't have at that time, he doesn't have teeth. <laughs> so he looked at me with this like really weird face. And he's just like, what is wrong with you? And I just remember laughing. I just remember like dying, laughing, looking at his weird cat face, looking at my dog and thinking it's going to be okay. Yeah. I've been here before. I've been here before. I've got through worse. And that this moment of despair, those moments of when you're lost, those moments when you just feel like you can't go on anymore. I don't know what it is. You know, I don't know if it's faith. I don't know if it's something that shows up when you, when it, when the time is right, it just shows up when you're ready. Mm. And so it showed up at that moment again for me. And that led me to where I am today. I love that. I, you said something in there that made me think of like, is this breaking me or is this building me? Yeah. Um, which is huge. And what I love the most is I think so often, you know, when you were talking, I wrote down normalizing failures because as adults are, I think now more so than ever with like the highlight reel on this culture of like, everything's great. We're all good. Like we're not normalizing that you have to fail too in order to get that next best version of you. Like, yes, we're like in the business of bettering ourselves, but sometimes you're going to fall flat on your face, you know? And I, I think about like, you know, when I got let go from jobs and people don't talk about how crazy it is when you walk back to your desk and the whole thing is shut down and someone escorts you out of the fucking building. (sighs) 
And then you're in your car and it like almost like demoralizes you. Like you feel, you could not feel lesser than in that moment, which is like, again, quite literally and in a lot of ways, similar to you literally laying on the floor in your apartment and being like, this can't be it. This can't be it. Um, I'm scared for the next generation because we've put so much pressure on each other to have it all figured out so quickly. And you see it, you see it in cancel culture. You see it in the way people talk to each other online. You see it in the way, you know, this past year where we should have the most grace with each other. Yeah. A pandemic and all of these things that took place in our country and all these things that took place in the world. We should have at that moment rose, but yet we fell to our lowest level. We had the opportunity to rise to the highest level we've ever been, but yet we chose to go the other way because we put so much pressure on humans to think we're almost like these godlike figures that we're supposed to have all the answers. And we don't. You're going to fail. It's the only way to learn. Yeah. You know, I tell coaches all the time, most coaches come to me and where they struggle is this imposter syndrome and they struggle with being these experts. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you're not supposed to know the answers. You're supposed to learn the answers. And so once you take that backpack off of pressure, it's like, oh, I'm just a student here. I'm just a student. Just a student of life. Uh, so someone, you know, it's funny. You just reminded me. Uh, I was on a podcast recently and someone said, what are you a master of? And like, I, I don't know. Like Immediately, I was like, nothing. And she was like, what do you mean nothing? I was like, nothing. I was like, the moment I was like, the moment I feel like I'm a master, I, I feel like it's over. Like I'm a student. Like I will always be a student. The world may consider me a master at something, Yeah. but I will always, I will always approach it. Like there's more to learn. It's so interesting what you just said, not only the imposter syndrome, but the master title, because that is something that was slapped on me at Soul Cycle and given mm. me. And it's something that I grapple with all of the yeah. time because I just am like, what? Yeah. Um, that was cool. <laughs> that was really cool. It's, it, you know, it's tough. It's tough. And I see it, you know, I, I deal with coaches and trainers and instructors all the time. And I've dealt with, you know, I've dealt with them for years, you know, the ego. And the hardest part, and this happened to me, the worst part that you can ever do, and if anyone's listening to this, if you're a soul cycle instructor, Barry's instructor, any, anything in the fitness industry, a manager, an owner, please, 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 for the life of you, never buy into your own hype. The moment you do that, you stop growing because that happened to me. I came into an opportunity and I was growing and I had a mentor and everything was great. But then I started listening to my members. Mm. My members were like, you're the best coach ever. Oh my God, we love you. What would this place do without you? We love your programming. Oh, and I allowed that to get in there. Yeah. It got in there and it got in there. And then the moment my mentor was like, Hey, you know, you need to do this. You need to do this. I was like, what do you mean? I need to do that. They love me. What are you talking about? They love my classes. You don't know what you're talking about. Meanwhile, this guy was it. Like he was, he was one of the original Equinox 
instructors, right? Shout out to Eric Fuller. Great guy. Awesome. A little hard, a little rough around the edges as a mentor, but sometimes so imagine, can- <laughs> imagine me saying, dude, what are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's what happens when you buy into your own hype. Yeah. And I think that can be across so many, that can literally go for anything. And I think that can go beyond like fitness and everything. I think that can 100%. Go managerial levels and work and different mm. businesses and owning your own thing and being entrepreneurial or being an Insta famous. I don't know anywhere in between, but yeah, I love that. Don't buy into your own hype. That's like a, mm. write that one down. Mm. Um, I love that. Yeah. Something I think is funny is when you said the the comment or everything you said, you know, I've, I've been saying something the last few days of like, you have to be in your chaos for a while to figure out how to dance in it. Mm, I like that. You gotta be in, you gotta take be in that for a little bit to figure out how to dance in it. Right. Other, cause like if, it, if it's new and you've never been there before and you're like, yeah, you know, it's like going to a school dance and you're a brand new seventh grader and like all the other kids are there from all the other schools and you're like against the wall and you're like, <laughs> yeah, like, what do I do? What do I do? If I dance, I may look silly here. Yeah. yeah. You want to be in the series a little before you can figure out how to like move through it gracefully. So true. So that really, that all hits so, so well. Um, Some, some things I was thinking of, was there a specific um, book or a specific person or like, you know, when you started to do all, you you mentioned a few times, the healing and the personal development, did you have go-to people where you were like, and even now still on like a day where you're like, I literally just don't want to do it. Yeah. Where do you turn to? What, who, who hypes you up? All that. Great, great questions. Um, there was a book and it was around the time where Sandy hit. Um, my mom used to give me personal development books and Tony Robbins books. Everybody's parents do it, by the way. Yeah. Like in my current coaching program right now, yeah. literally they're like, oh, I had this book on the bookshelf. And I'm like, you yeah. never read it? You never read it. So I had these books my mom gave me, but you know, I felt pretty low at that moment. And I don't know, this book just said something to me. It was the seven habits of highly effective people. Mm-hmm. And I started to read that and it started, it was talking about ego and talking about, you know, I, I always thought I had to be an asshole in order to be successful, whether it was as a, as a, as a man trying to date women, mm-hmm. right. I thought I had to, you know, I was always told, oh, you treat women, you know, if you, if you show them that you like them, they're not going to like you anymore. If you, you know, if you're too nice, you're not going to get ahead. And so I literally grew up with that mentality and I was not a nice person for many years, but it was fake because I was a nice person. I really was inside a really good person, but I thought I had to put on this facade. So that led me, that led me to my personal development journey at that point and then later it was tony robbins mm-hmm. and ed Milet. tony and oh. ed i mean i would i would straight up pass out if i met either of them yes oh yeah. I, I i was lucky to meet tony <laughs> lucky to meet tony i went to upw that was uh awesome we got a fire I did. I did. It was so much fun. I feel like you probably would. I feel like personally, I, I don't know. I look at you and you're, I just feel like you're just like powerful. And I'm like, you probably just like oh, ballet. You just like, you. Probably well, they set you up. 
they set you up for success. You know, it, it, they, you basically go on it and you look up and I don't want to give it away for anybody. Yeah. Don't, no, don't, don't, don't okay. let, let the people go awesome. look it up. You can go yeah. look it up. UPW y'all. Yeah. Um, Ed, Ed, Ed Milet, um, because here's the thing, here's what I got from them for, for, for the longest time. I was completely not spiritual. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the Catholic religion. I grew up in the Catholic church. I, I was an altar boy. Right? Yeah. I grew up in the Catholic church. You know, uh, you know, I, I went to Catholic school and I was completely, I wanted nothing to do with the Catholic religion because of what had happened to friends of mine uh, through their dealings with priests. And I had my own situation. And so I had disconnected from all spirituality, all religion. Yeah. But, you know, as I was listening to Tony and Ed and all of these other people, powerful people, they kept talking about spirituality, Mm -hmm. the laws of attraction, the laws of nature, the laws of the universe and source and God and universe. And I'm like, what is going on here? And it it, it started to seem like this was the thing that was connecting all of these people together. And so at UPW, seeing this powerful, masculine man be vulnerable, you know, seeing Tony get up there and just be completely vulnerable and crying and sharing his story, but saying that it all came down to his belief and his faith. Mm -hmm. It was like, it gave me permission again to try to discover this thing that was missing in my life for so many years. And driving home from Dallas, I was on a high. If you ever go oh, to a UPW, like so high. Oh my god! You leave any yeah. Like like- imagine, imagine a weekend of Soul Cycle. No. Right. Just imagine a weekend. You're just like ah, you're That's so how I felt up. when I went to like Rachel Hollis, like business, yeah, and like exactly. everyone I'm obsessed with spoke, like Dean, Ed, yeah. freaking Brendan Burchard, Burchard yeah. like Marie Forley. I was like, oh. all of these amazing people. And so I remember driving up. And it's a, it's Sunday afternoon. I feel so good. And I look over and it's a wide open field in Dallas and there was clouds and a beautiful sun. And I saw God. It connected to me at that exact moment. And I remember feeling so connected to something that I've, I was connected to as a child. Right. But I felt my innocence again at that point. I felt connected and I remember weeping, but happy. And ever since then, it's all about my faith. Not a religious faith, but a spiritual faith in something greater than myself. And I don't know what that is, but I I love the fact that I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that there's a mystery behind it, but I believe the more I believe, the more great things are happening to me. The more great things are happening for people that I pray for. And so I'm like, no, this is it. There's something here. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the laws of attraction, I've, you know, all of that stuff, I truly believe. And so when I'm feeling down now, I have my moments. I, I don't feel powerful <laughs> all the time. Um, I, what I do every morning is I listen to affirmations on YouTube. And I meditate and I pray and that centers me again. That grounds me. I love that. Yeah. So good. 
So good. Okay. So in the, in the frame of keeping it, I feel like I could talk to you literally all day. So I mean, we could do this all day. Literally. We can do we can do a Joe Rogan and do like a three hour podcast. Yeah, though literally it's I, I, mostly just because like everyone I have on, I genuinely, like we talked before, but like, I just love to talk to you and I just love to, you know, I, I love it. So, um, just like some rapid fire things. For sure. Um, Let's do it. Coolest event you ever emceed at. Oh God. You're going to, you could do like two if, you, if it's two. Okay. okay. I would say I'm going to do three. Okay. Uh, Dubai CrossFit Championships, the German Throwdown, and Wadapalooza. Wow. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Dubai. One, Dubai, obviously Dubai. Dubai. Um, <laughs> Germany is amazing. The yeah, people I really there are so awesome. I love it. They're like family now. And Wadapalooza is probably the coolest event, you know, that's in the game. It's just so cool. Okay. Awesome. I love that. Okay. Um, what can you pull from of being like your most proud moment in your life so far? Good. (sighs) Most proud moment. That's a really great question, man. You're going to force me to think here. Um, I would say my most proud moment was my daughter. I am a father. Um, Not having her you know, but my most proud moment was recently where she was struggling with her own identity. And, you know, she had came out to me that um, she thought she was gay. And then she thought she was, she may have, she may be, you know, transgendered or she, she, she thinks so. And I just remember being understanding. And I remember just listening and not speaking because I wanted to just create that space for her. And I never felt like that was the moment. Like I always thought like, I'm not a good father. You know, I think, I don't think any parent feels like they, they've got this thing figured out, but at some, at that moment, I felt, I never felt stronger as a father because I was just listening to her. And then I just looked at her and I said, Hey, whatever you feel Right now, just know that you have support and you have guidance. And I don't have the answers, but we'll figure them out together. And so as I look back on all the things that I've done in my life, um, I think it was that moment of, because that's, that's who I always needed in my life. Yeah. You know, that was the, that was the person I needed. And yeah, so if I could look back at any moment, it was that moment of my daughter and just, yeah, being there for her and holding that space for her. That's so awesome. Yeah, you just made me think of that. I didn't even realize that somehow. You have my little eyes. are like, oh, you just made me realize that that moment. So thank you. I, I almost teared too. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That's All really right. special. You're a super special person in soul and I adore you so much, but I want to also give you a moment to talk about kind of your coaching program, what you're doing yeah. now, where you're located, how, where the pandemic has kind of like led you to and just where you are in this moment. Awesome. Well, thank you. So um, I've been business coaching now for two years for prof- fitness professionals and, you know, I help them to leverage their expertise so that they can build their own profitable businesses. Um, 
I think everyone's got a business within them. Everyone's yeah. got their program, their course, their, 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 their thing inside of them. Right. And so what I do is I help them understand what that is. Uh, we identify who their, 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 their customer is, what are their customers needs and desires are. And through that, we build up, we build them a program that they can take and do anywhere they want. I love that. Yeah. Simple. It's really simple. <laughs> you know, I think people complicate things and the, the, the simpler, the better. Iced coffee or hot coffee? Ooh, depends on the time of day. Okay. Donuts Morning, are hot coffee, <laughs> afternoon. Oh, you got both? That's just, ah, that's like, you're like a, you're like an amoeba. Like what? <laughs> are you donuts or cookies? Donuts or cookies? Uh, cookies. Gatorade or Powerade? Oh, Powerade. That's just such like a sport thing. Like, yeah, that's true. That's true. But I used to put, I used to put my, um, oh, I used to put like my BCAs and my creatine in those things. Oh, that's the, <laughs> I know. I look back, I'm like, oh God, so much sugar. We look, we look back on the things we did and we're like, what? Oh my God. Oh, oh. I, we can do a whole podcast episode on the craziest things we used to do, uh, thinking they were healthy. Literally, literally. For sure. That's a whole podcast. Joe Rogan on that for sure. Yeah. And, and everybody on. But the coolest part um, I think about coaching and businesses and everything is actually James and I met through a mutual friend and coach, the wonderful Jess Glazer. Um, so it's just really cool when you start to lean in and you open up and you get vulnerable and you do all these things and you put yourself out there. You just never know who you're going to meet or how it's going to like transverse on this journey. For sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. Shout out to Jess. Shout out to Jess. You know, yeah. um, I love that woman. And, you know, there's just relationships, you know, it's the power of relationships. And I think that's one of the best things that you can leverage. People's like, what's the secret sauce? I'm like relationships, you know, leverage relationships because if you wake up every day saying, how can I help others get what they want? You'll eventually get what you want. So good. Where can the people, the peeps, find you. Awesome. Uh, Instagram's a great place. I love to connect with people on Instagram. Uh, James P Quigley is my Instagram handle. Uh, you can also look out, look for me at thejamesquigley.com. Um, or you can just reach out to me through email, which is jpquigley02 at gmail.com. I love that. Short and sweet and simple. Well, thank That's you it. so, so much. This was awesome. John, you're amazing. I mean, like it could go on and on and on, but yeah. so many good nuggets and insight and just great story to kind of make, I would say, inspire people into action. Right. Thank you. This was amazing. This was an honor and just super glad to, to have this chat with you and this opportunity. So thank you. You're so welcome. I adore you. How freaking great is James? I mean, this story is so awesome. I love a point A to point Z because I feel like we tend to always have this thought of exactly how it's going to go. And then when we get blown off course, it really, that's where we get those experiential learning, (laughs) the experiential learning that we talk about, you know, the game of life. And it was just really cool to listen. So I hope you enjoyed. I hope you got some good nuggets or wrote some things down or really related to some of the things we talked about and can carry them with you as you walk out into your week this week. I always appreciate a like, a download, 
a share. If you know that this podcast could touch a friend, please do forward it to them or send it along. That's the biggest form of flattery and thanks I could ever ask for. And until next week, may you always be joyful, loving, and above all else, fearless. Thank you.